Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. Infuse your booze with InBooze Alcohol Infusion Kits. InBooze is a line of alcohol infusion kits handmade from dehydrated fruits, spices, and herbs. Ashley, mother of four and cocktail lover, was looking for a new way to enjoy drinks at home. And in 2018, she found it. InBooze infusion kits are made with locally sourced ingredients, including Michigan apples and cherries. Infuse your kit for three days. Choose your mixer and shake it up. Enjoy everything from margaritas to mules right from home with your InBooze alcohol infusion kits. Visit InBooze.com to learn more. We're here today with Marcy Kate Connolly, who is the author of multiple middle grade and young adult novels. And one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I stress it a lot whenever I am talking to new writers and up and coming writers is networking, networking, networking. With that in mind, why don't you talk a little bit about how we met in the first place? We met back in the day on Agent Query Connect, and that was such a great place to meet other writers um, before we both were published. There was a whole bunch of us there, and almost all of us have been published at this point. Maybe a handful haven't been. We got to meet each other as books and give feedback. For me, it was extremely helpful. Some people who never read my books before that was like my friends, and mostly they were like, this is so great. I love this, which is great, but not as great for actually improving your novel and your craft. But, you know, other writers who are working through this and, you know, learning how to critique and take critique and give critique, we all kind of like did that together, which was really fun. It's a good networking opportunity just to meet other writers and commiserate as well, especially when we were querying. That was like an absolute necessity to have someone to be like, oh my God, it's been so long that they've been reading these pages or I just got another rejection. I'm not sure if the boards are functioning anymore. It is still a database and a site that people can go to to get information about agents and what they accept. But when we were there, man, it was a lovely place to connect, like you were saying. And you're so right. Like you have to be able to share with other writers because the feedback that you get from friends, usually it'll be nice. But even if it's not entirely nice, it is usually their opinions are subjective. I didn't like this character or this part wasn't funny or something that is an opinion that a reader can have, but they aren't going to be able to tell you exactly why. Usually they aren't able to pinpoint the word choices, the whatever it was that they had this reaction. Sometimes they don't know why. And a writer, number one, knows that likability isn't necessarily the most important aspect of a character. But also number two, they can say why, or they can give you ideas about how to fix it. And it doesn't necessarily mean 
that you are always taking the advice of another writer, but you have that in your toolbox. You have the opinion of another writer. And I think when we talk about critique partners, it absolutely has to be another writer if you really want to get something out of it. And a lot of us, I know, I, for example, live rurally. There simply aren't any writing critique groups where I live. Every single one of us, when we met on AQC, was working full-time, if not working more than one job. We couldn't necessarily do a writer's brunch or, you know, let's get together at noon on Wednesday. You know, we were getting online after we got home from work in the evening and talking to each other and, and operating that way. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to get together for brunch, though. That would have been awesome. But that was actually one of the best things about it, really, was that it was people from all over the country. So you wouldn't have met otherwise if you had a local group. Absolutely. Having that online access to so many people. I really don't think that I would have gotten an agent if I hadn't joined AQC because we were hard on each other. We made each other's queries improve. We were not handholding. I learned everything that I know about the industry from that site. There is no doubt in my mind. And people that were a little bit farther ahead of us, like Sophie Perigo, and she's also writing under the name Evie Hawtrey now, we were all operating underneath screen names at the time except for you, you actually had your real name up there. That was really cool because some of us really did just know each other by our screen names. Interestingly enough, moving through the world now, I have run into people in the publishing industry that were on AQC at one point or another, and I'll share my screen name and they'll be like, oh my gosh, that was you? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. That's awesome. I'm sure that there are still sites like that now. I feel like I have no need for such a thing at this point. So I've moved away from that or even being aware of what's functioning. But I can say for sure that a Query Tracker is always a reliable resource. Are there any others that you know of right now that we could point people towards? Not offhand. I mean, the ones that I always use were agentquery.com to, to track agents and, and Query Tracker, a combination of the two. Those are my go-tos. That's really what I use a lot. Um, Yeah. And I think things have changed now where people are using Slack and Facebook groups and um, even Reddit forums. When I think about it, geez, that was like 14, 15 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was. But the dynamic is still the same. That you can go online and you can meet these people and they're going to help you. So for example, there were two people in general that were really, really helpful to me. One of them, who's actually going to be a guest here on my next episode, who works in LA and is in the film industry. And so had different arenas, different ways to approach things, new areas of that angle of the business, but also kind of that more like slick LA style. Whereas Mm. uh, Sophie Perrineau, who was operating there underneath a screen name, who had an agent, And was writing in a different arena. She was writing adult historical fiction, but she was a rung up above the rest of us and was like still hanging out every day and helping and so professional. She's just like professional to a T. She'd be like, this is how you interact with an agent. And this is the best practices. She knew best practices and etiquette like down. (laughs) She was, she was amazing. It was kind of a shock. I think sometimes to some people who are brand new. And I think that always is when they start to learn about 
what an agent is, how you get an agent, what they actually do. She was just full of information, which was really helpful to have that resource there, you know? Like I said, when I move through the industry now, some of the people that I run into are people that were on the boards and um, moving in the background, but also present. They were just industry like movers and shakers that were there being present and just even absorbing knowledge. I probably lurked for five or six months before I had the nerve to post. I think even just doing that, just lurking and just absorbing that information, I learned so much. I think I did a lot of lurking too. I don't remember exactly how long I lurked. Posting something publicly is is nerve wracking. You don't know what kind of feedback you're going to get because you don't know the people. Well, that's part of what I did too, is like I was just reading and listening and paying attention and seeing like who was posting often, who was being helpful who had the type of mindset that I wanted to interact with, that kind of thing. It was wonderful and I miss it. <laughs> yeah, looks fondly on those days. I miss it. It was really fun, especially during the pandemic too, where like it's been very isolating. It was, it was fun times, especially when we had those, um, the chat room. That was fun. Monday nights. Monday nights. Yep. Yep. We had our chat. Well, and it was my go-to. Like when I got on the internet, it was like Hotmail and then AQC. Like that was my homepage. Same. It built me and, and that's how I learned. You were just talking about the sheer number of people. And most of us were, are in fact traditionally published now in, in different arenas. But then also we have fellows who have gone on to start their own indie publishing company. There's a lot of different areas of success that I've seen. Uh, Jean Oram, who was the super moderator for a long time. I see mm. her all the time moving in the romance indie world. She always seems like there's something going on. It's a different areas of success for everybody. And like I said, I think that's kind of unique. I think our success level, the percentage is higher than was to be expected. I think so too. We became friends. I mean, there was that morale boost as well. I mean, we're obviously, you know, not pulling punches when we're critiquing our work, but to be able to bounce ideas off, vent to that I think really helped in a way, at least it was helpful for me in keeping me going and not being like, another rejection, I'm done. That camaraderie really helped keep us going. At least it did for me. So I got another rejection today. And then somebody is like, well, I got my 300th rejection. <laughs> Perspective. <laughs> Listen to Where It Runs Out, Breaking Toxic Family Cycles. The title of this podcast draws inspiration from the quote, when they tell you it runs in the family, tell them this is where it runs out. Where it runs out is about two things, discovery and recovery. Discovery is about dismantling toxic family patterns and fully acknowledging how they've impacted your life. Recovery is the process of healing from the abuse or neglect and moving forward. Transitioning from a place of powerlessness as a child who was dependent on these toxic systems for survival to an adult who now has the choice to create the life and safety you've always deserved. Many podcasts focus on toxic romantic relationships, but Where It Runs Out is one of the rare few dedicated to family relationships. Despite the fact that 27% of adults in America are estranged from one or more family members, the topic is still taboo. Where It Runs Out is designed to empower and validate the experiences of that 27%. It's a reality that we're just not talking about. 
As writers, it's important to represent complex family dynamics accurately and with compassion. Whether pulling from our own past or learning from the experiences of others, where it runs out can help bring depth and understanding to your writing. Find where it runs out at anchor.fm forward slash where it runs out, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I want to talk about writing because you write both middle grade and YA with quite a bit of success. I like to think so. I hope so. I started with writing young adult books and then kind of fell into middle grade. Then eventually my seventh book that was published was young adult. So it took a while to actually get published in young adult, even though that's why I started writing. My first published book, Monstrous, I wrote it as young adult. My agent took me on with it as young adult. And then we pitched to editors and my editor um, who ended up buying it was like, I want to buy this as middle grade, (laughs) which had us scratching our heads for a little bit. Then we had, you know, a conversation with her and it was really illuminating that the book really was in fact middle grade. And I hadn't realized it was middle grade except for like this one part in the last third of the book that we had to age down, that it was middle grade. It kind of fell into it, um, but I love middle grade. It's, It's a great age to be writing for. And I know for me, when I was actually a middle grader, reading was just such a formative thing. It was so like necessary. It was, I, I, it was my escape. It was so important to me. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool writing for that age. Um, it was also very important to me as young adults. So it's exciting having some young adult books out there as well. So I actually write more young adult books in middle grade, oddly enough, they just still trying to get them out there published. So <laughs> Yeah, young adult is uh, super competitive. There's no doubt about that. But I think that middle grade is actually like edging that way too. Partially, mm-hmm. like I could never write it. It isn't my arena. It isn't my content. It isn't my subject matter. It isn't my age category. Like there's no world where where I'm a middle grade writer. But I feel like never, say never Mindy. You never, never know. Oh God, can you even <laughs> imagine? It would be so bad. <laughs> I would love to read that fart jokes. I can do fart jokes. <laughs> yeah, see, you're funny. Like you are so funny, even though your books are dark. Like you are, you are so funny. You could totally leverage your comedy skills in middle grade. That's are, true. That's not a bad idea. It's an opportunity, Mindy. You should absolutely do this. Can you write a whole book about farts? You can try. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Farts are funny. That's true. Okay. Well, <laughs> hang that on a peg in the back of my mind. <laughs> write a middle grade fart book. This is one place where I hit the skids pretty hard when it comes to middle grade. And I was actually having a conversation. Um, my last episode was with uh, Fred Kaler. He is a uh, illustrator and a writer that lives in Florida. And mm-hmm. he was saying, especially during the pandemic, like he's never interacting with his audience. When he does a Zoom, you don't have 10-year-olds aren't excited about sitting down and meeting the writer on the computer. Like it's just not that interesting to them. The impact isn't there. And I think it's a really interesting dichotomy because I know that for middle grade writers and like children's writers, they can get into a school And they can absolutely mop it up and they can do amazing amount of sales and an amazing amount of work in one day going into a school visit. Mm -hmm. Teens are a harder sale, but I think that the online side of marketing and promotion for middle grade has to be super tricky. I assume that you're aiming it at the adults in their lives. Exactly. Um, It's definitely different from YA. You're marketing to the gatekeepers. Most part, they're not buying their own books. People are buying them for them. And so you have to 
be able to, to find those people and make them sit up and take interest. Um, so that means there's you know a lot of reaching out to libraries and teachers, getting reviewed in like the school library journal and Kirkus and places like that where they're looking for things and where they're you know tuned in. That's actually pretty important just to get that awareness out there that your book exists because um, they're not necessarily browsing the shelves at Barnes and Noble or looking on Amazon for books. They're looking in other places. And I've been very fortunate that my publishers, most of my middle grade books is um, source books and they're fantastic. They have this wonderful school and library marketing team uh, and they've been really great at getting my books out there. Things like getting your book in a junior regular selection also really helps because they're like buying those as packages. But I've been very fortunate that um, I think most of my books have been junior regular selections, which is awesome. It's definitely a very different animal than with young adult because young adult, you can actually, you know, reach the teens because they are more online. And there's still obviously, you know, a lot of adults read young adult books as well, but you can access them more directly. I actually had four books launched during the pandemic so far. Two duologies. <laughs> as you can imagine, they have not done as well as we would have liked, which is unfortunate. The first book, it was like right as the pandemic was starting. So I still did that one in person. That worked out fine. But then the second, third, and fourth books were all during the pandemic. And for the fourth book, I didn't even do a virtual launch party because the first one was my first YA novel, Twin Daggers. And we had four people show up. Mm. And I think I knew all but one of them. Then for the second one, no one showed up. It was just me and the two people from the bookstore hanging out on Zoom, which was fun. It was great. We, we like chatted for like an hour. And actually, you know, one person who I knew did show up briefly for a little bit of time, um, but her microphone was having issues. So she didn't really get to talk too much, which was too bad. I kind of switched gears for the fourth book that came out, which was Lost Island, which was a sequel to Hollow Dolls, which is the first book that came out during the pandemic times, did sort of like this pre-order incentive through my local bookstore, Porter Square Books, um, that if you order it through them, you get some swag. It's definitely much been much more difficult to get people engaged, generally speaking, during the pandemic. At least that's what I found. And it's also been more like emotionally taxing to be engaged yourself, putting yourself out there. The whole situation is very demoralizing. There's you know burnout on a personal level that just makes doing anything hard. And I was pregnant for most of it as well. So that <laughs> didn't help either. I know. I, I have felt the same way. Be Not Far From Me came out. Like I was on tour. Mm -hmm. And I came home and, and we went on shutdown. And we haven't really done a whole lot since. I do think that people are burnt out. And I think that they're done with virtual. And I think that at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, we're going to make the best of this. And it was kind of a new and novel experience. And then I was like, this is bullshit. I've done things with festivals where it'll be like four or five authors. And we'll have like maybe 17, 18 people show up. And that's not bad, really. I just did a Zoom this past weekend that was supposed to be for the release of The Last Laugh back in March. And then it just didn't happen for various reasons. And we had to be rescheduled for here in May. It was me and Maureen Johnson, who is a big freaking deal. And uh, we had nine people show up. Mm. She was totally cool. Like she was absolutely wonderful. I was like, I am so sorry that there were only nine people. And she was like, no, it's fine. I don't care at all. I don't mind. This is the job. And I was like, thank you. I really appreciate that. I've been handing out her books to kids for 20 years. I was just like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Nine people showed up. I think every author can pretty much understand unless like they're like super famous and the fame has gone to their head and they forget. I don't think I will ever forget because yeah. I am 12 books in. I had one 
actual bookstore signing for release week. The rest were all library events and school <laughs> events. And for the library events, they were like busing in kids and school events. And so it was captive audience type of stuff. And they were, they were supremely successful. But again, like attendance is mandatory, right? And man, I was feeling good because things were going well. And I was just like, oh my gosh, if I spoke to 300 kids, I bet 150 bought a book. Like I could get my audience. Man, I was high on life. And I was telling my boyfriend, I don't know if it's because people are so excited to be able to go out and do things now. I don't know if people are just excited and appreciating life more, or if I'm doing better, if I'm more well known, or if I'm just selling better. I was like, but I don't know, man, things are really, things are really working. Things are going good. Right. And then um, I had a bookstore signing, just me. And it was a drop in thing on a Saturday afternoon and mm-hmm. I had one person show up. Mm-hmm. I sat there for two hours and one person showed up. And then this past weekend did a signing with uh, Natalie Richards, who is a fellow YA author. She's a source books author. She's up by my agent actually. Yeah, I, I believe so. <laughs> and she, she's like NYT, super famous. She's mm-hmm. from Ohio. She and I did a signing together this past weekend literally zero people that's hard they're so hit or miss like sometimes you'll have like a ton of people other times like absolute crickets it's so hit or miss i think it's good to be humbled but (laughs) (laughs) to be humbled all the time that's what happened consistently (laughs) i think that for middle grade and ya authors man school visits school visits school visits yeah if you can get them those are definitely the best Way to go. It's, it's, I found it has been more difficult during the pandemic to get those. There's so much going on in schools and they're like, especially at first, they were so concerned about how are we going to do testing? And that was a real big challenge initially. But since then, I've done, you know, a few, a few online ones, which have been decently well received, but it's not, the, it's definitely not the same as going in in person and having a book there to sign for the kids and, and hand them a physical copy like that. That's definitely a different dynamic. That's for sure. Yeah, I've just now in the past two months started getting those school visits again. It's been really nice. And the energy is there and everything about it. Like they feed me, I feed them. And it all feels really good. I don't get that over Zoom. I don't feel it. I don't think the energy exchange is there. It's nothing like being in person and talking to actual kids. That's just the best, talking to kids about books. Like I love talking to kids about books. It's my favorite. <laughs> Um, and it's even more fun when like they've read your book and they love it and they're like, I love your book and blah, blah, blah. And I love this character. And are you going to write a book about this one? Are you going to do this? And like, it's, I miss it. I miss that. Yeah. It's, it's why I write. It's the only yeah. reason really, I mean, a paycheck is nice, but just because of the, the nature of what I write, it reaches some kids that otherwise aren't going to be reached by books and usually by the content. I get a lot of, you know, rougher kids and they're the kids that need to have some sort of escape or something to do in their lives that is healthy. And Mm -hmm. man, it's like, if you're able to reach them, God, that that's everything. That's amazing. Absolutely. I will say, I want to go back real quick to the zoom question. Being extraordinarily famous does make a huge difference. I was in a zoom with RL Stein and we had like 325 people. So (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. 
Yeah, I don't remember. It was like me, R.L. Stein, and I think two other authors. Because R.L. Stein is actually from Ohio originally. Is he so, really? Yes. And so it was an Ohio-based thing. And have you ever met him? I have not. Oh, okay. So because he is originally from Ohio, I've actually crossed paths with him multiple times. Oh my goodness. He, oh my gosh, he's so kind. He's so running the same circles as R.L. Stein. That's so cool, Mindy. Uh, I have occasionally been in the same room as R.L. Stein. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but he's very kind. And when you hit R.L. Stein levels, it doesn't matter. We had, we had 300 people in the Zoom. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's harder for people who are like mid-list or new authors. And just being on sub in the pandemic has been very strange too. I've it's heard weird. that from other people. Is it just like long wait lines? It's everybody is so burned out. I mean, especially editors because they're trying to put out these books. It's hard. It's 10 times harder than it was. And then trying to read and get new submissions. It's just, it seems like it's so much more difficult. And like, I've been on sub with one book for like a year and a half and we, we just sold it like two weeks ago. And then I have like another book that's been on sub for about a year now, a picture book. We'll see if that ever happens. We're my weirdly dark fame picture book. Picture books for baby goths. It's actually Poe inspired. I'm not disgruntled by it. It already means I totally understand. I've been burned out too. <laughs> you know? So I think it's just kind of this, this mass burnout. I've been hitting it pretty hard myself. It's a beautiful day today and I'm doing this interview with you and I've got uh, people coming on next and then I am going outside for the rest of the day because it's like I can't sit in front of my laptop anymore. Nice, nice. I will have to sit in front of my laptop because I have to work, but that's okay. I'm going oh, for have to work. I'm just not doing it. I'm just like, yeah. I'm checking out. So. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. Last thing, why don't you let listeners know where they can find you online and where they can find your books? Yes, um, you can find me online at marcykate.com. If you can spell my name, you can find me. It's M-A-R-C-Y-K-A-T-E.com. Um, all my books are listed on there, as well as buy links. Um, you can get my books from bookshop.org, from your local bookstore, or um, you can also get them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere. If you contact me through my website, you can request a bookmark, and I'd be happy to send them to you. I hope people like to read my books. I like write weird, dark children's books, middle grade and YA. Weird and dark, that's kind of my brand. Perfect. Writer Writer Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar.